Welcome to Talk Wealth to Me, a safe space podcast where we chat about anything and everything related to personal finance. The information contained in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute as accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Talk Wealth to Me. I'm Chase Peckham with the San Diego Financial Literacy Center. Today is really one of the coolest podcasts that Katie, Felipe, and I have done. Uh, Logan Alec, uh, he's a CPA, uh, got a master's in taxation, and he does none of that now. He has, he's a financial expert. He does a website uh, called moneydoneright.com, and he talks about, even at a very young age, how he went through the process of making money and making a living by rental properties. And he really takes us through what it took, and it really wasn't much. It was fascinating. So take a listen. Joining us today on the show is Logan Alec. Logan is a CPA with a master's in taxation. He's a frequent source on financial topics for news outlets, including NBC News, Market Watch, Bankrate, HuffPost, USA Today, and U.S. News and World Report. Logan also has a website, moneydoneright.com, where he helps people make better financial decisions by educating them on topics including making more money, saving more money, and growing their streams of passive income. Logan, thank you so much for joining us on our show today. Of course, it's wonderful to be here. And we wanted to talk to you about investing in real estate. A couple of weeks ago, we did a show on first-time home buying, but this is a whole different beast. Yeah, it really is. And and I think um, you can combine the two. You know, I mean, your, your first home can be your, your first real estate investment. And I think that's a smart move for a lot of folks, um, you know, who are just starting out in their 20s to, to get started investing in real estate. And I mean, how did you kind of fall into this? Do you personally, are you investing in real estate? Yeah, I, I, I do really enjoy investing in real estate. Um, how I got into it was just through my CPA background. I worked with a lot of real estate investors and um, I, I entered the field. I graduated college back in 2009 and um, you know the economy wasn't doing so hot. And a lot of house flippers and those kinds of folks, they were they were losing their shirts, um, you know, some of them. But mm-hmm. uh, I did notice that the ones that were were doing okay were the folks, um, you know, who just invent who were investing in in stable rental properties. Um, and so, you know, that piqued my interest then, um, and that that's what got me interested in in real estate investing. Um, a bit earlier than I think other people get into it. So I, I think most people, when they're listening to this, and I think when they think of investing in real estate, they're going to think what they watch for every half hour on HGTV, right? Like flip this house um, and, and the different shows that they have on that. Is, is, is There's a variety of different ways to invest in real estate, correct? Yeah, that's correct. And, you know, in a sense, I, I almost think of flipping a house, uh, flipping houses is more like a like a job. Um, you know, you have to, to some degree, you have to manage these different projects. Um, you know, perhaps at a certain level, you can build a business and 
and have people manage those projects for you. But um, I don't personally consider that, uh, you know, so, so much investing. Um, although I did do a couple house flips. Um, you know, when I, when I talk about investing, I think I'm, I think I'm most passionate about when it comes to real estate is, is long-term rental properties and, and get into those early in life. Um, and it's easier than you think. You know, I think a lot of people, they, uh, they think, oh man, you know, I need, you know, a million dollars in the bank before I start investing in real estate. And that's just, that's just not true. So if you're a 20 something, let's say you're, you're, you're somewhat, into the, your professional life, you're 25 to 30, uh, you're thinking about doing these kinds of things, where would you start? You know, what, what I recommend is looking into house hacking. Uh, my first deal was a four-unit property, and uh, I got an FHA loan, put 3.5% down on it. And, um, you know, that's how I became a landlord early on in my 20s. Uh, you know, I think the the big kind of hindrance for a lot of young people getting started investing is is the cash, right? They just they think they don't have the cash, you know, they don't have the cash for a down payment on you know a, a small multifamily. Well, um, you know, there are programs out there like FHA loans and a couple other programs where, that you can uh, take advantage of where you don't need that huge initial cash outlay out front. That being said, because you are so highly leveraged. You really got to make sure the numbers make sense, or or you can, you know, dig yourself into a, to a hole borrowing that much money. So it's a double-edged sword, but um, you know, if if you've really done your due diligence and and you found a good deal, it can, it can be a great long-term investment. And is that a key, I guess, phrase that you just used right there? It's a long-term investment. Well, that is my personal investment philosophy with real estate. Um, you know, I run my website full time, and that occupies the you know the majority of my hours. So sure. I view my real estate holdings as a passive income stream, um, things I'm going to hold for the long term. So um, that's that's my personal investment philosophy. And maybe you could but, expand on that too for people that maybe are not as familiar with a passive income, what that means, and maybe what the benefit of that is. Right. So when I think of passive income, when I use the phrase passive income, I'm talking about, uh, you know, something where I get money every month or perhaps every quarter and I don't even have to think about it. So that's what I mean when I say passive income, you know, as opposed to active income, which is, you know, like a job or my website, which is, you know, my small business. You know, I, I'm working at, on that website, uh, you know, hours every single day. There's a sense in which that my blog is passive because, you know, even if I don't work on it, uh, it'll still make me money that day. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it, because I'm invested in the long-term growth of it, I, I, I do spend a substantial amount of time on it every week, as opposed to my real estate holdings where, um, you know, they, I, I, I don't spend hardly any time on them, but I, they still pay me every month. So Logan, we're, we're here in uh, San Diego. So, you know, relatively expensive, uh, real estate area. Um, so you're saying is there's a way for a younger, maybe getting started professional uh, to get into real estate investment early in their career, even in an area like San Diego? Yeah, I would say so. Uh, you might have to look out in the boonies a little bit, though. Okay. And that, you know, that, that was a mistake I made. Um, I lived in Orange County at the time. Ooh. And, uh, you know, I wanted to, uh, you know, I was looking for, Basically, in Orange County, 
uh, I was looking in the wrong places because you had to, uh, you know, stuff is very expensive there, similar to San Diego. And um, I didn't find a deal, went up to Orange County. Uh, I moved to LA uh, just for personal reasons at that time. I, I was looking for a deal at, at that point as well. And again, I was kind of looking at the wrong places. I eventually found a deal where the numbers made sense and that I could afford um, about 50 miles outside of downtown LA where I worked at the time. So it took a bit of sacrifice. Uh, you know, I didn't have a, a, a nice 10-minute uh, commute on the subway anymore. Um, you know, now I had to take a train from you know this this four unit I bought and lived in. You have to live in it to get the low down payment financing, by the way. Um, so you know there was there was some sacrifices involved in that, but you know you only have to live in it for a year. Um, so and that's why I think it's so great for people to do while they're young because. Uh, you know, with uh, with a family now, you know, it, it, it's it's probably it would probably be a lot more difficult to live in this, you know, this property and, ha you know, live among my tenants and then have this long commute. But I think if people, um, you know, make it a goal to accomplish this in their 20s, uh, you know, earlier on in life, it's it's something they can, um, you know, it's something that will really benefit them long term. So I think that's interesting. And, and for, for people that are younger that are listening to this that are thinking about doing something like this, kind of take us through your initial investment, what you did, what the thought process was, what you learned, what you would do differently or and have done differently. I think that that would be really, really important and, and uh, eye-opening or ear-opening, I guess, in this case, uh, for our listeners. Yeah, I think the number one thing, if if you want to get started investing and you know, you're know you in your 20s and you might not have a lot of cash is you have to be open to, um, to expanding your geographic search. And that's, that's the mistake I made earlier on. I kind of touched on it. Um, you know, I just, you know, I was just getting outbid left and right, you know, in, in LA proper. Um, you know, so you might have to look outside, uh, you know, where you think the hot market is at the time in order to find deal. Um, you know, but if the numbers make sense, the numbers make sense, and that's kind of my second point here. Um, you 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 really want to do your due diligence before you go out and borrow hundreds of thousands of dollars on your on your first investment property. Uh, you want to make sure you, your all the disclosures from the seller are, um, you know, you've reviewed all of them, and that any questions you have, you've asked them. You, you're working with an experienced agent um, who has uh, hopefully is an investor, him or herself. Um, so, and you want to make sure that uh, you know you're not just um, just buying a property just for the sake of buying a property. I think a lot of new investors they get they get antsy when they don't find their first deal within you know the first three days or three weeks or even three months, and so they just jump into something that that actually turns out to be a real headache. So, um, you know, I would say taking your time and making sure that you've done your due diligence is important as well. So when you buy that duplex, so to speak with the, with the four units, you live in one of them. So that means you're going to rent out three. So are you figuring, obviously at this point, this isn't just to make sure you cover, uh, the, your mortgage, you're hoping to pull in a lot more than that. And is that typically the case? Yeah, so um, you are hoping to. Well, he, there's actually a rule. If if you get an FHA loan called the self-sufficiency rule, where um, you know the rents collected on all the units have to exceed 
and I think they've changed the rule recently. But when I was buying at least 75% of, uh, you know, your monthly payment, um, you know, your, your, your mortgage principal, your interest, property taxes, and of course the uh, mortgage insurance premium that you have to pay on a, on a low down payment FHA loan. So, um, but then there's another, there's another way to look at this, which is, um, you know, okay, yeah, you're living in one unit, you're renting out three, even if you're, hopefully this isn't the case, but it might be the case in an expensive area. Even if you're a little bit cat, you know, even if you're just breaking even or just a little, you know, a, a hundred bucks, 200 bucks cash flow negative on that, you know, while you're still living there, that can be viewed at as, you know, your, your housing costs are only 200 bucks. You know, when, when you move out, um, you know, you're eventually getting cash flow. So, I mean, as opposed to, um, you know, maybe being in a, in a situation where, uh, which is a typical thing, you're, you're, you buy that nice house in the suburbs and you're, you know, now you have this $2,000 mortgage payment, um, that you may or not, may not be able to afford. So, um, you know, if people are up to it. I, I really recommend making, uh, you know, your first property, uh, an investment property that you live in if possible. And do you, when you're looking at investment properties, do you always want to try and make sure that you're willing to live there if you're going to pour that much money into it? Well, for, for this particular one, because, you know, I was in my early 20s, I didn't have a lot of cash. I had, a, I, could, I had to put a low down payment down. For those kinds of programs, you generally have to live in the property. Um, you know, to, but it, so I would say in that case, yeah, I mean, it, it has to be a place you're willing to live. But, you know, after that first investment, um, you know, I made other investments that in properties that where I didn't live in. And you know, those are properties that I may not have wanted to live in. But still, it was the type of property that was in demand for that area. And, uh, you know, that's what really matters. You know, it's it's the question is, do people do you want to live there? It's, hey, does everyone who lives in that zip code or that city? Is it the kind of property that, you know, those kinds of people with their demographic, you know, married with three kids, is that the kind of, is that the kind of property they want to live in? And I think that's kind of a, a good rule of thumb. Oh, sure. That makes sense. So I'm guessing then the real estate investments will vary throughout the country based on the demands that each city has that are unique to, I guess, the demographics or the desires of that population. Sure. Yeah. And I think that's why it's important to, uh, you know, to take that into account. Um, you know, for example, uh, and uh, one thing to keep, keep in mind is that over time, the demographics of a certain area change, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, while 50 years ago, maybe there was some some building, some properties built or some houses built, uh, you know, that were three bed, two bath to accommodate kind of the, um, the quote unquote nuclear family, right? You know, married with a couple kids. Well, you know, now, um, you know, this this community might just be a bunch of retirees, uh, you know, uh, single people or, or, you know, just couples, you know, they might not need all that room anymore and they might actually be looking for something smaller. So maybe if you bought something smaller in that neighborhood that, you know, they, they don't necessarily want to, you know, uh, keep up a huge house anymore, if, you know, if they're hitting their golden years. So, um, you know, maybe in a neighborhood like that, you want to kind of look for, um, you know, smaller houses actually that appeal more to that demographic if that's where the population is shifting. So you got to take into account the demographics, um, of an area, of course, in addition to just the raw numbers. So it sounds like you do, and, and we see this across lots of uh, the financial topics, you do plenty of research before you go jumping into something. 
Yeah, I mean, I think you know, especially with 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 real estate where you're you're just borrowing, you know, in my case, a uh, hundred thousand um, dollars, you don't want to you don't want to go into that lightly. No. So you know, I think with it, with any investment, especially leveraged investments, um, you know, you really want to make sure that you've done your due diligence and that you're not walking into something that could, instead of, you know, putting you ahead, a decade investment wise that sets you back, um, investment wise. So, um, yeah, imp- definitely important to research any and all investment opportunities. So you would imagine, and this is, I would take long-term rentals, right? Because with the the days of the VRBO and and those new websites where we have short-term rentals, would you ever recommend somebody buying a property typically just for that? You know, when I was a a CPA, I had, uh, or when I was an active CPA, I had clients, you know, who they invested um, in the Disneyland area. Um, and you know, you can't really make too much cash flow around there other than with short-term rentals. And, um, you know, they're, they're having a rough go right now or last time I, I was in touch with them because of, um, because of, uh, regulation zoning laws yeah, and forth. So, you know, yeah. So, and that's another thing. Huge Um, here in San Diego too. Right. Yeah. That, that might look good on paper, right? It's like, oh, wow. Okay. If I rented this thing long, you know, with a 12 month leases, I'd be in the red. Oh, but wait, you know, I can, I can charge, you know, one of them had this, this house and it had like a star Wars room and a little mermaid room. And, uh, you know, they really decked it out and put just a lot of, uh, you know, effort into it. And they were able to charge, gosh, I forget how much, but you know, it, it was a large house and they were able to charge at least a thousand bucks a night, I believe. Um, you know, because it was just such a cool house and, um, but, uh, you know, regulation and thing like that tightened up and, um, you know, I don't think, I think they're still on one of them, but they got delisted from another one. And so, you know, there, it's a risk is what I'm trying to say. So, um, there's that regulation risk as well. Um, you know, another thing is like with HOAs, you know, if you're investing in a, in a property in an HOA, you know, lots of HOAs now, they, they, they don't let you, um, right. you know, uh, def- most HOAs wouldn't let you do short-term rentals. Uh, that's usually in their, their, uh, CC, their, their, re- their rules, yeah, the rules and regulations. Yep. But, um, you know, there's even like long-term rentals as well. Uh, you know, usually HOAs aren't too strict about that, but you know, HOAs, they can, they can they can change at any time, you know, it's just because it's that way now, it's not guaranteed that, you know, that that's going to be the rules, you know, five, 10 years from now. So, um, yeah, you got to kind of think of all these things when you're, uh, when you're, um, when you're pulling the trigger. Let me ask you this. So are, are you at a point now where you have multiple properties that you do that with and have management companies handle those? Um, I, I, yes, I, I still have multiple properties. Um, in over the past few years though, I have sold properties and now I'm investing in uh, a lot of syndication deals, which means, you know, I own a small percentage of, of a larger, you know, like apartment building in, in Phoenix or, um, I own a small percentage of a development deal in, in Newport beach, et cetera, et cetera. So you're getting so, more into commercial. Yeah. More, more into that kind of thing, commercial and where, um, yeah, just to kind of diversify the portfolio and, you know, syndications are even more passive, right? Cause you just have to make your investment and, um, and get the check. <laughs> so where are you, know, you on REITs? I know that those are kind of, you hear them on the radio 
now you you'll have cpa or not cpa you'll have cfps kind of discuss those kind of opportunities with people do you know have or are familiar with with reits yeah i mean i think you know reits i don't i don't own any reach you know individual reach shares i invest in reach through um you know various funds that i'm invested through through you know like a vanguard or fidelity account Okay. Um, I know there's popped up a lot of these, uh, you know, kind of so-called private REITs recently. Um, you know, there's one around here, uh, you know, and I, I do, um, I, I do promote some of these on my website, so I'm not sure how much I can really, um, talk about divulge those. into it. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I know that it can be, they can be pretty confusing, but it, it, they, they, they also can be very opportunistic uh, as well. Yeah, exactly. You know, not speaking about private REITs in general, but any real real estate fund, um, you know, in the perspectives and things, they'll typically give you, uh, you know, and you got to take this with all with a grain of salt, but they'll give you like a time horizon and kind of their investment strategy. You know, some uh, funds or, you know, some REITs, they're very, um, you know, their their strategy is short term. You know, there's a, you know, an example is there's an apartment building. Uh, you know, these apartment buildings that are owned by these mom and pop investors who are in over their head. We're going to go in and make them a, a, an offer, you know, a, get it real cheap, you know, evict all the tenants, uh, do a rehab, uh, raise the rents, refi or sell it wherever the market is, where it's a little more of an aggressive strategy. And, if, you know, on the other end, there's more kind of core funds. Um, which, which means that, uh, you know, these are, these are more longer term assets. So, you know, there's an array of investment strategies as well, even in the syndication space. So what would you say that you learned? What was, what's the mistake that you made early that you wouldn't make again? Um, well, I, 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 I bemoan the fact that I, I waited so long to, uh, to actually do the first deal. Um, I was a, I was a, uh, what's the phrase, a, a tire kicker. Um, you know, I, I enjoyed reading about it online and kind of have this analysis by or paralysis by analysis type of thing. And, um, you know, it, it, relatively speaking, it took me, um, it took me a few years before I eventually pulled the trigger. And I guess if there's one, one thing I would have dif- done differently, uh, you know, I, I would have just, um, you know, not, uh, <laughs> Not lollygag, I guess, is how I'd put it. I like that. that we find that a lot. Um, I, I think when we even talking about investing or and, and not even investing directly, but when people are trying to, you know, put away for retirement and they get introduced to their 401ks for the first time and they'll go three, four years without putting in any of their paycheck to it because they think, oh, there's, I got lots of time. And in reality, every month every year that goes by right you're that that's income that you're wasting and the younger you are the more it builds up the more you're going to have an opportunity uh to build that retirement and i think that same thing goes with different decisions that we make not that you want to jump into something right away but at the same time you probably knew exactly what you needed to know months maybe even years before you made the leap yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think that's kind of the, uh, you know, a negative to um, kind of my kind of my background as a, in, as a CPA and kind of that really wanting to dot all the I's, cross all the T's is, you know, I dot, I dot all the I's and crossed all the T's two years ago, but I still haven't done anything, you know. So 
Um, but yeah, to your point, you know, time is really the investor's best friend. Um, you know, I, 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 you know, you, you, even if, even if you just sock away, you know, if you sock away, if you sock away a certain amount a month, uh, you know, every month when you're 25 until you're 65 versus starting at 35, you know, to 65 at, you know, an average 7% return, um, you know, if you're doing you're, well, you're, yeah, you're going to have double, you know, the, 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 the nest egg at 65, how do you start at 25 and 35? Um, so, you know, but to that point though, and I know we're talking about real estate a lot here and you brought up 401ks, I would say, you know, before people start jumping into real estate, you know, if your employer's 401k has a match, you know, do that first. <laughs> uh, that's just, that's just free money. And I think that's kind of just low hanging fruit that a lot of folks, you know, early on in life and maybe even later on in life, they just, they just don't take advantage of. Yeah. We always tell people it's uh, like, for example, let's say they were going to do a 4% match. You know, we like to ask, well, would you pass up a 4% raise? Well, no. Why would I do that? Well, that's kind of what you're doing by not contributing at least 4%. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, I think it's kind of sad, just the state of, um, you know, financial education in, um, you know, in, in most, for most people, they just, it's even just the basics they don't understand that that's one thing I'm trying to do, you know, through my, through my website, money done right is to, um, you know, help bridge that gap. Just like a, many, just like, you know, you folks are doing with this financial literacy center, just like so many other people in this space are doing, uh, throughout the country and the world. So this, the website for you is a full-time job. And so I guess, you know, where some people may be Uber drivers and some people may do, you know, what they would call side hustle that maybe touching in and getting into real estate as far as rental units and those kinds of things is your own version of, of side hustle just, and you're not really working. <laughs> uh, you're, you're talking, sorry, sorry I, I, I missed you a little bit there. You're talking about the real estate as a side hustle. Yes. Yeah, I, w- I would say that um, it's, uh, you know, it's not really a something that I do full time. And, you know, I, honestly, my website was a side hustle at first. Um, you know, I used to be a, a CPA and a, doing tax, you know, tax consulting and things like that. And, um, you know, eventually that side hustle became a full time hustle. But, you know, I definitely keep on to that passive income real estate um, side hustle, if, if, if we want to call it that. Although, you know, I don't view it so much as a hustle. Because uh, I do view it as more of a passive thing, the real estate. But um, you know, we'll see. We'll see how things go and, and how things go, uh, you know, market-wise in the in the near future. I might I might start hustling for some real estate deals again. That's awesome. Thank you very very much for being with us today. I I, I learned a ton. I did. As in fact, well. now I'm thinking I need to go. My wife and I need to go put my, some money somewhere else. <laughs> that might not be a bad way to do it. Yeah, I mean it's uh, you know that that opportunity is out there. It's just um, you know I, I don't think a lot of people take advantage of of the programs that are out there to get started um, investing in a small multi-unit early on. I think my biggest thing one one thing before you go, what was your experiences of being a landlord? Because you do you know you are taking on that responsibility by living around in your case three other tenants that you know could you know be great tenants could be not so great tenants. What were the headaches? I, I mean, did the gain in the income completely outweigh the headaches? 
You know, the, I've I've been blessed with good tenants, I think. Uh, but I, the, the thing I want to say about that is, especially if you're doing this, start doing the same thing, and you're starting young in your 20s, and you know, in my case, my tenants they were all significantly, you know, decades older than me, and uh, you know, they did try to feel me out at first. Um, you know, trying to ask for things that weren't in the lease, trying to to look for little favors and and things like that. And you just got to be firm, and earn their respect, especially if you live around them. You know, it, it's one thing where, you know, you, you own this property, and you know, I didn't have a property manager then. You know, it just I, I was just I, I lived there, so you know, I managed them obviously. So, um, you know, as of my first deal, but you really you really got to kind of take control of the situation at the beginning. Um, you know, especially if you're a young investor, you know, they're going to kind of size you up and kind of think they might be able to take advantage of your youth and experience and, you know, this being your first property and they've lived there for 15 years. But, um, you know, you just got to be stern and, you know, make sure everything uh, is in the lease um, so you can kind of uh, preemptively deal with um, these situations. But I think after I had earned their respect um, as a landlord, you know, that made things uh they magically became better tenants after that. So, well, it sounds like it's a good thing you were a CPA who knew how to dot his eyes and cross his t's. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you know, with the lease, there's there's you know, apartments associations around and things like that who have standard leases. Um, you know, I'm not a lawyer, but uh, you know, some people do like to have a lawyer look over their lease, especially you know, if it's a property, you know, with a pool or you know, just for for unique situations, but. Um, yeah, it's definitely important to make sure that you have all your uh, all your um, ducks in a row in case you need them. All right. So anybody that wants to learn more about you or maybe investing, they can just go to moneydoneright.com. Yes, moneydoneright.com. It's a uh, personal financial website that I started as a side hustle back in 2017. And... Um, you know, the income from it eventually eclipsed my job as a CPA. And so um, now I do it full time. Now, that's we're, that'll be another podcast. We'll be calling <laughs> yeah. you back. Okay. And we'll be talking about how that experience was because we do get a lot of people. We work with uh, quite a few people who are interested in taking, you know, their business ideas and making them come to light. Uh, and But they want it so fast and they want it so quickly uh, that it doesn't always come to fruition. So We'd love to talk to you about your experience with, with uh, the site as well. If if you're up for that, yeah, sure. I'd I'd love to come back on and, and talk about that uh, that that experience because um, it it definitely changed my life. You're still in your twenties. I am still in my twenties. She is in her twenties. <laughs> I'm in, I'm 47 years old, and it was a very interesting interview. And in the fact that you know I'm in a completely different phase of life. And I kept thinking while he was talking about, dang it, I wish, you know, if I could have gone back, if I could go back and I could, you know, even contemplate, I'd love to say I was smart enough to even think about that at a young age, but I didn't. Right. I like to say I did the research and, and weighed the pros and the cons, but I didn't think of that. Yeah. yeah. Or did you probably just like he said, probably never thought that that was doable by somebody like me at that stage of my life when in, in actuality it really was because I was just looking for a place to live. Yeah. And then thinking about making money on something that you're where you're actually living that just didn't, that wasn't in my purview at the time in my mid to late twenties. And, 
and even even into my 30s when I started to have kids and and my career was full going full storm full steam ahead and that it's really interesting in how some people just they have you know but he happened to be working with money in money in that situation so he was thinking about that stuff where not all of us think that way I wish somebody would have tapped me on the shoulder a little earlier and said hey check this, this might out. be a good idea yeah Right. There is a benefit when you're comfortable with money and numbers. Like you're almost ahead of the game on a lot of different things because I know for me personally, I had to overcome my dislike and fear of money. I liked what money could give me, but I didn't really know or like want to talk about it. But if I would have invested, I mean, I'd be sitting pretty right now. Again, I think it's a lot of people. We run into this a lot that they just feel like that they're not very smart with money or they don't really understand money because either they didn't, they've never had it, mm-hmm. right? They didn't, they don't know how to really use it. It's, it's a means to an end. It's, I get paid by my job and then I pay for the stuff that I need to live on and then things that buy things that make me happy, go do things that make me happy and the money pays for that. But they honestly don't ever think about the way that money can actually work for them. That's yeah, true. I think it's the, the lack of the, uh, long-term uh, foresight to look and say, you know, if I put this money away, it's more rewarding to go drink my coffee now. But if I were to invest in the coffee store, for example, I always uh, when I'm presenting, I like to uh, do the example, what if I, instead of all the money I spent drinking coffee in college, I'd invested in Starbucks? Yeah. Ooh. Without a doubt. I've been doing a lot better. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And you can get into those kinds of things a little by little and build it up. But like anything else, you're going to have to do and make educated decisions in everything you do, whether it's budgeting and buying shoes and or, you know, whether you need a bigger apartment or I want to live near the beach versus living out in suburbia. There's good and bad and give and take with all of it and it's making educated decisions on what are best for you. But most people just are scared to make the leap. Like he mentioned at the end of the, at the end of the discussion that he had, he wishes he would have done it earlier and that he didn't take so much time analysis by paralysis by analysis. He said, and that is so true on so many levels, but at the same time, you don't want to just go jumping into things. No, because that can get you into more trouble. Oh, yeah, definitely. But, you know, another angle, I was just thinking about this. I have a friend from college. She and her wife just bought a house in Seattle. And when they first put up the pictures of their house on Facebook, I thought it looked really ugly. And they have poured so much sweat equity into this house. It is stunning now. And that's another part of, I think, real estate or like an investment I never really thought about. The house maybe I can afford to invest in or fix up or something may not look like I want it to when I buy it. But once I pour that energy in, I mean, the value of it could skyrocket. Right. Yeah, it's 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 always when if you're looking around, you know, we talked to Daniel and uh, he mentioned getting in, in a previous episode, the the first time home buying. And he said, get in early uh, and get in where you can. And that's definitely something where maybe you make up for, um, like you're mentioning, with with sweat equity yeah. and put some uh, elbow grease in it and 
make it what you want. Maybe a year down the road, maybe a little more down the road, but you slowly kind of chip away and make it yours and, and add value that way. There's no doubt about it. I think the idea that the word investment is kind of carries different meanings to different people. I mean, the home that Carrie and I bought 10 years ago is, is a great investment. It's, it's, it's appreciated dramatically, but it's still that that's not physical cash we're holding on to. That's just a value, right? That's equity that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also our home and it's something that we think about and it could give us the opportunity to buy a bigger home at some point. And over those 10 years, our house doesn't look anything like it did when we bought it 10 years ago. I mean, and, and it hasn't been, and it wasn't overnight either. I think that the one smart thing that Carrie and I did through that whole thing was we slowly brought the house along. We didn't just throw ourselves, throw down the credit cards and put thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars into the house at one time to make it something I had to have right now. It, no, you know, I, the I living room the evolved, H- the kitchen evolved, the outdoors evolved to where when Carrie and I walked in literally just last week and she said, oh my, you know, this is my home now. We've lived there for 10 years and yet now she's really comfortable because it's like hers and it's everything that she wanted. Are there other things she could fix up? Yeah, but it's really not that important right now to put that kind of money in it. And so that in turn is an investment. But if you were turning around and saying, you know, Carrie and I are not going to go live in a four bedroom or a four uh, condo unit, you know, and, and as an investment right now. So we would be in a completely different space being that we're both in our forties kids that are going into middle school and finishing up elementary school in the middle of all their sports. I don't know if we would just pick up and go, well, this is a good investment for us right now, but for somebody younger, it really might. Felipe. <laughs> I have two kids. I think maybe a few years ago in my twenties, um, it would but if have... you're making an investment, like by buying something, well, he said 50 miles from, he had to go 50 miles from LA. If I had to go 50 miles from San Diego, now it becomes something where what school district are we in and how long of a commute yeah. to and from for school sporting events for kids, sporting events after work and dropping off the kid at daycare. And well, it's not like you're living at the beach now. Well, no, right. but I'm two exits from work. That is true, but yeah. I mean, Santee's a nice area, and it's not overly expensive. It, it's gotten up there. It's gotten more popular. Yeah, it's it's gained popularity. I could, way different from way different from like uh, ten years ago when I used to go out. You know, there. it's really funny how how certain areas have reputations of being way out there, and Felipe is actually a lot closer to <laughs> to work <laughs> to work than I am. Right, <laughs> which is really. Funny to me because I, I always go, man, you live so far out there. And I'm, really, I'm really two exits. Uh, it's, it was a long stretch Those on the 52, but it's really just two exits from work. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 there's a lot of truth to that. I, I was really – he was good. I, I was really interested in what he had to say, and, and I would recommend for anybody that has the opportunity to check out Money Done Right. I mean, he his art, those articles in there are uh, – are very interesting and they are, they're wide ranging in the different types of money information uh, out there because it's really kind of on a higher level than even our, the SDFLC and DebtWave websites uh, where ours are, you know, more functional money, you know, understanding credit, understanding the different investment types of things isn't exactly our forte. And there is a, 
there is a place for that. Yeah, he dives into the nitty gritty. Uh, and it, yeah, like how to make money on YouTube. <laughs> 50K a month, it says. That's pretty impressive. I would sign me up. I'm going to read that article as soon as we stop. <laughs> 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 That's right. Katie, what do we got on deck? Next week, we're talking about how single parents can deal with the price tag of summer. The price Ooh. tag of summer. The price tag of summer. Oh, and then we'll be doing like, very back timely. to school shopping before you know it. <laughs> it's very timely. Yeah, it's cool. Right?